Hallelujah. This uh, series, we're just talking about Jesus, just as, as simple as that, uh, going through the, the different sort of events uh, in his, I, I, I guess I could say, life, because his life doesn't just, isn't just you know, his physical body. It is beyond that as well. Jesus is eternal. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Understanding the reason for the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers the church to live as our Lord commands. Hallelujah. We've gone through life. We've gone through death. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a bit of a peculiar one. We're going to be going through Jesus' burial. It's not quite something we often talk about. It's not something we often think about. And throughout my life, I've often had, you know, when I was growing up, I've had uh, a lot of confusion as to sort of what happened when Jesus was in the grave. He, he, he died on Friday and he was risen again on Sunday. But what was he doing between that time? Has anybody ever asked that question? What was Jesus actually doing? These are the sorts of things I think about. I tend to go down rabbit holes whenever I find one piece of information, whether it relates to me or not. And uh, sometimes... Uh, my pastors around me have to send to me by giving me a piece of information that relates to what I'm doing so that I can chase that rabbit hole. So I was very thankful to receive this one because it's a, it's a wonderful thing for me to crawl into and sort of divulge, but at the same time it was a little bit frustrating because there's a lot of information and there's so many things at the same time that I want to learn, yes. Okay. I don't know what just happened. As I said, the burial is not something we often think about. I think for many Christians, there tends to be a lot of confusion around the events of the burial and what it actually means and its depth and what it actually means to us. And my purpose today is not just to give us a whole bunch of information, uh, but I will be giving us a whole bunch of information today. So for those of you who have pens and paper, you're going to be very busy. You're welcome. Because I think the more we know about Jesus, the more sure we are in our faith, the more sure we are in our identity, and the easier it is to witness to other people. Because how many of us know that it's very difficult to witness to people if we don't really know what we're talking about or we're unsure on the details? There's no time like when you're in the moment when you find out just how much you don't know. So, I'm saying that word again. Let's get into it. Cesar, oh, I need to turn this on, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so good with technology. I am woeful. It is on. <gasps> okay, so today we're talking about his burial. I've already mentioned that. Are you changing it or am I? I'm not changing it. I think this is out of batteries. Okay, brace yourselves. It's going to be a long ride. Okay, Hebrews eleven thirty-nine to 40. We're going to start off with rather an obscure verse that in some ways might seem like it has no relation to what I'm talking about. Let's get into it. And all these things, and all these, though commended through their faith. Now this is talking about Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, and it goes through all the heroes of faith that we read about in the Bible and the amazing things that they did for God. 
did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, we should not, we should not be made perfect. Yes, I read that right. What does that mean? When I was growing up, I had no idea what that meant. And I just, okay, the rest of the chapter inspired me, but this bit doesn't. So I just continued. King David gives us a clue, or rather more than a clue, he gives us the very idea of what this relates to in Psalm chapter 16, verses 9 and 11. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So can we please go to the next slide, please, Cesar? I made up this little chart. Sheol is a Hebrew word, and it means realm of the dead. And it sort of encompasses people who were faithful to God and believed in God during their life, and people who didn't believe in God during their life. Uh, and there's various places in the Bible where this is referenced. Uh, the Greek word is Hades. Now, Hades is a bit of an interchangeable word. Sometimes it's used to refer to both places where people would reside, but more often than not, it's used to describe the sort of hell side that we describe where people are in torment. Uh, But the most sort of picturesque uh, example of this realm is in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 to 26. And we're not going to go there, but if you want to read that later on, uh, you you can do that. And so there's, there's paradise or Abraham's Bosom, but I kind of feel like the word bosom takes a lot of oomph out of my message if I say it too many times. So another way of saying it was Abraham's side, so I've just written that down. And then on the other side, with a chasm in between that no one can cross, is hell or Hades. And, I mean, as Christians, we tend to say, oh, you go to heaven when you die, or you go to hell when you die. And, and we tend to describe things like that, or we end up in hell for eternity. And there seems to be some confusion about these different areas. So I'm just going to touch on them really quickly. At Judgment Day, when God takes all the condemned out of hell or Hades, he puts them in the lake of fire. Now, the lake of fire was not really referred to as hell. It's just called the lake of fire. Hell is, the, I guess, the place of waiting for those who were disobedient. And paradise or Abraham's side, they end up going to heaven. But there's something else in that, and we'll get into that a a little bit more later. When I was growing up, uh, I, I, I never really understood much about the cross. I never really understood much about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I had no idea what it meant. Uh, I was told that Jesus died for me and that because he died for me, I was free from sin. But I kind of didn't really understand that because, I mean, if Kyle just came and said, Jamie, I'm going to die for you right now and then died for me. And then someone else came along and said, you know, Jamie, you're friends with Kyle now and you're free. Like, <laughs> I just didn't get it. Uh, I had no clue what to make of that. And then what did Jesus do when he went into the grave? I heard all kinds of things. I heard Jesus was punished in hell for a couple of days, you know, spend a weekend there and then come back victorious, uh, break free from his bonds. I don't know. I heard the, the most common one that I tended to hear when I was little, apart from in Sunday school, Vicky, you were a great teacher and you taught me good stuff. Um, 
but you weren't the only person who was telling me stuff. <laughs> you tend to hear all different things depending on who you talk to. The most common one I heard was Jesus went down into hell and he kicked the devil in the face. I could kick higher if I had pants that stretch. And then he snatched the keys of death and Hades and stormed out of hell victorious. And he was all awesome. And, and, and I had no idea what any of that meant. But I knew somehow that Jesus must be totally gangster. That was all I understood. But growing up, I kind of began to thirst for this sort of information. Did I just get a bit louder? I don't know. Okay. I feel like I just moved the microphone. Anyway, I began to thirst for this kind of information. What does it mean? And so over the years, I really began to pack into the book of Hebrews. And then I read it last week in one sort of go, I don't know, time flies. Um, Hi, Zoe. She didn't say hi to me this morning, so I'm saying hi now. Take your chances. But some of what I was hearing, even though you could say it was doctrinally incorrect, there was some validity to it. For example, the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has them. It says it in Revelation 1, let's go 17 and 18, which should be up there, says When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Amen. That led me to my next question. What on earth are the keys of death and Hades? Because that sounds awesome, but I have no clue what it is, and I simply must know these things. So, we're going to be going through a lot of verses right now, so I did make the disclaimer at the start, if you've got a pen handy... I apologize sincerely. Uh, You're going to be doing a lot of writing because you're going to be writing down a lot of references because this is sort of one of those things where it's not necessarily historical evidence. This stuff happened in the grave. This stuff happened in the spirit. So I've got to keep to Scripture, otherwise I might get lost. So let's, let's start with John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. When I was younger, I thought that Jesus was killed. I mean, from a human perspective, you'd kind of think if you were whipped that many times and beaten and had a crown of thorns thrust on your head, and if you hung there on the cross, which was supposed to kill you, and then you had a spear put in your side, then someone certainly killed you. That would be my logic, that if if I was in that situation, I would think that I would die from that. But nobody killed Jesus. He laid his life down of his own accord, because he had that authority, and nobody could take it from him. John 19.30. You don't necessarily need to turn here, just... um, just, just write down the reference. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And one of the correlating verses in Luke 23, verse 46, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This was entirely Jesus right here. Nobody else had any say on whether Jesus was going to die or whether he was going to live. And then we'll go to Mark 15, 44. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. So Jesus died fairly quickly for a, a cross death. The, 
the, the criminals either side of Jesus, they were, they were still alive, but Jesus gave up his spirit and the centurions kind of wanted them to hurry up. So break their legs, the criminals, which caused them to uh, suffocate much more quickly than otherwise they would have. And, but, but they already knew that Jesus was dead. So they just wanted their day to end because they wanted to finish at 5 p.m. or whenever they wanted to. So Jesus alone had unique authority to give up his life and to rise again. Possessing the keys to death and Hades means that the risen Christ has control and authority over death. Moreover, he has the authority to release his followers from death in order that they may be with him forever. So we don't go to Sheol anymore. We go to heaven when we die, post-cross. Amen? Okay. Uh, Cesar, can you please go to the next slide? An important note to make, which kind of, this is how the rabbit hole goes in my head. If Jesus had the keys of death and Hades, did did the devil have the keys before that? Because there also is some validity to that kind of idea. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the power of the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Did the devil have the keys of death and Hades before Jesus? This is really interesting. The devil tricked our first parents, Adam and Eve, at the beginning. The devil tricked humanity into death and brought confusion in order to ensure its snare, which is part of the reason why we have so many religions. I guess if you want to look at creation long enough, logically speaking, you would have to conclude that there is some sort of creator doing its work. But which one do you choose? How many different belief systems are there in the world today? Too many. Which one do we choose? The devil is really good at bringing confusion, but with the wisdom of God, we can see through it. This is why Jesus calls him a murderer from the beginning and the father of lies. So therefore, the devil hijacked the power of death, but he never really owned it. He just manipulated it to his own ends. He sought the destruction of humanity. But Jesus is the rightful owner of the keys. And he defeated the devil when he died on the cross. Sometimes I used to wonder, did Jesus shed his blood on the heavenly altar, you know, in heaven after the resurrection? You know, because that's sort of what they did in the Old Testament. I'm wondering, did Jesus do it the same way? Well, no, Jesus shed his blood once and that was at the cross. That's when we were set free. That's when the devil was defeated right there. That was the only time Jesus needed to shed his blood. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having given us all our trespasses, forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So the power of God, 
is supremely displayed in Jesus dying on the cross for us. Can I get an amen? So let's go to our second point. Because none of this really answers my original question, which is sort of why I started down this path in the first place. What was Jesus doing for those three days? There's some really awesome theological points we just looked at. But I'm curious, what was Jesus doing for the weekend? Jesus was not punished in hell for our sins. That is very unbiblical. Where am I? Luke 23, 43. And he said to him, this sort of, you know, the, the, the next sort of few verses give us some idea. Now, talking about the two criminals, either side of Jesus when he was uh, at Golgotha, we'll call one the bad criminal and one the good criminal. This side can be the bad criminal and this side can be the good criminal. Okay, so the bad criminal says, Jesus, you need to wake up to yourself. And the good criminal says, no, you need to wake up to yourself. Jesus shouldn't even be here, but we're supposed to be here because we messed up. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, can you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And what did Jesus say? Truly, today I will be with you in paradise. But then another verse, which is also there, 1 Peter three eighteen to 20 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. So he preached both to those who were obedient and to those who were not obedient. So Jesus actually went to both. He went to paradise and he went to Hades. It doesn't say that he brought anyone out of Hades. I can't find that anywhere. But it does say that he proclaimed himself. The first time I heard that, I thought, that's a bit tough. They're never getting out. Why would you go and show yourself and say, I'm what you're missing? Like I, <laughs> I sort of wrestled with that for a little bit the first time I heard that. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. I said we're going to be doing a lot of verses today. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of the God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Everybody in creation has got to know who Jesus is. Whether they're dead, whether they're alive, whether they're not even born yet. Jesus is our creator. And we can think whatever we want about, well, it should be my choice whether I want to know you or not. But 
there are some conditions we don't get to put on the one that created us. And that is that he's going to reveal himself to each one of us one way or the other. So are we going to know him as Savior and Lord? Or are we going to know him as the judge that we're going to meet once and never see again for the rest of eternity? Come on, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth is going to bow to the name of Jesus and declare that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's going to happen. And as a little point, I think if I'm going through a tough time, I'd rather know why. It may not help the situation, but I'd rather know why. Everybody's got to know who Jesus is, and that's why he proclaimed himself to everyone in the land of the dead. And the last point, which is my favorite, and we've been singing about it all morning, Jesus rose. Now, I'm talking about his burial today. But I've kind of touched on his death and now I'm touching on his resurrection. But to really understand the context of the burial, we kind of need to understand the things around it as well because they all relate. And if we want to be sure in our faith and we want to be sure about who we are in Christ and if we want to be ready to share our faith with other people, then we need to understand how these things go together. So I'm not going to touch too much on the resurrection today. So I, I really just want to focus on his burial. But to give us a larger picture, I'm going to need to touch on the things kind of around it. Matthew 27:52. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now these saints who were dead... They, had, they hadn't met Jesus, you know, when they were alive here on earth. They hadn't met Jesus. They didn't really know who he was. But when Jesus rose again, he rose all of those in paradise with him. The people in Hades stayed there, but the people in paradise he took out. And many of them appeared here on earth. They walked into Jerusalem and the only thing that I can think that they would have talked about is what Jesus was proclaiming to them in Abraham's side. I mean, they wouldn't have walked into the nearest bar and said something like, hey, so what's changed since I've been gone? How much has inflation gone up? I don't think they would have been talking about that stuff. The stuff they would have been talking about was, Jesus came to see me. Let me tell you who he is. He just rose me from the dead and I'm about to go into heaven. That's what they would have been talking about. That must have been a very interesting day in Jerusalem. The question at the start, or the verse at the start, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, all of these did not receive what they were waiting for. That's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for the appearing of our Savior to take them out so that they could be with him. Last verse, Psalm 68, 18 to 21. You ascended on high, this is King David speaking, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. 
but God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in guilty ways. And this is referenced again in the New Testament. When Jesus died, the earth shook, the rocks split, rain came down, and many people who were sick got healed. The temple in the curtain that separated man from God was split in two. We were cleansed from our sin. Sin was defeated. The devil was defeated at the death of Christ, and we were reconciled to God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus glorified himself in death to those that knew him and those that didn't. And then he defeated death when he rose again and he brought all the faithful with him and gave them new bodies and took them to heaven just as he will do with us. This is one powerful God we serve, amen? Why on earth would I be ashamed of my Jesus? Why on earth should I be nervous about talking about my Jesus? When he's got all of this to his name. He's got a big resume. All the power in the universe. Jesus is the healer. Jesus raises people from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn among the dead. He has the keys of death and Hades. Come on. And that same power lives in who? So what are we waiting for? Why can we not share our faith? Let's not be confused about these things. If we know it, let's talk about it. Let's be sure. When someone challenges us, let's trust in the Holy Spirit. Come on, he can lead us. Let's not think about it too much beforehand. If Jesus lives inside us, then you've got all you're ever going to need. We just got to learn more and more every single day in the word of God. Allow God, allow God to teach us, to guide us into all truth. Let's stand. It's hard to share faith. It's hard to preach the gospel if we don't know what we're talking about. If we don't know the nature of the God we serve. If we don't know what his accomplishments are. If we don't even really know why we're saved, we just know we are. It's hard to convince some, someone of something that you yourself don't really know about. I think the Lord today wants to bring clarity to us. I think the Lord today wants to take away some of the confusion and some of the questions that we have, that we may walk in boldness, just as the disciples and the apostles did in the book of Acts. And you can read about all the amazing, crazy things they did. But these things happen all over the world today now. There are revivals going on at the moment in so many countries. And I believe it is Australia's time. It is Australia's time and the local church is the life of the community. Revival begins in us. So let's know our Jesus. Let's know what he's about. Let's know how powerful he is. Let's know his authority. Because Jesus gave it to you. Everything I just read out, Jesus gave it to you. 
Let's not be afraid or ashamed. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good. You have all authority. You have all power. You fill the whole universe. And you chose us. You live in us. May we be sure of who you are. May we be sure of what you did. And may we be thankful. So thankful, Lord, that as a fountain overflows, we would overflow with the presence and the love and the peace and the conviction of God. That all of those around us would see Jesus when they look into our eyes. Lord, you died. And behold, you are alive forevermore. We pray right now for boldness. Lord, we pray right now for more truth. All of this confusion, part of it from our own minds, part of it from the enemy, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Bring your truth right now. Bring your understanding and your spiritual wisdom right now, Lord God, as the Apostle Paul prayed that we would know you more. So inspire us. Raise us to new heights. May we be unified as a whole and may we all look to you, our head. Have your way in us and have your way in our city. Bring your life, bring your gospel, bring your healing, bring your truth, bring your salvation. We want disciples, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.